our scripture lesson today. It is in John chapter 20, the first 18 verses. Are you all tired of sitting? (laughs) We invite you to stand. Early on, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, we know this is John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples sat out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but John was younger. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said, looking to her, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. But Jesus then said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And it sounds like she tackled him. Because Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, it's okay. I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and she told them, that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight this day. O Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Just leave it there. Christ our Lord is risen. Y'all might want to take notes. That might show up in other places during the sermon. 
And we want to. That's how I'm making sure y'all are awake today. Jesus is risen. We need to be joyous about it. Be grateful for it. Be grateful that we have come out of the darkness into light. It was early on the first day of the week while it was still dark that Mary went to the tomb. You notice that John is still wanting us to get the point. Over and over from the very beginning he has used this metaphor of the light versus the darkness and that how the world loved the shadows, the darkness rather than light. In fact, he wrote that in Jesus was life and that life is the light and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, could not connect to it. We remember that in John's gospel, Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees who was secretly becoming a disciple, came to Jesus in the mid of the darkest night so no one would see him. It would be scandalous but how he came out of the darkness into the light of the room that Jesus was in. Further along it says that light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. In the Gospel of John, this darkness, this being without light, this shadow represents chaos, despair, unbelief, Dare I say lostness. It is so easy to get lost in the dark. (laughs) For how many of us at night, whenever we do not have the nightlight it's blown, does our very house become a strange and terrifying place where we do not know if we are about to find that Lego in the dark. The darkness can be painful. But just a little bit of light can dispel all of the darkness. And enough light can get rid of even the least amount of shadow. And in John's Gospel, light, radiance, represents truth and faith and salvation. So here Mary goes to the tomb. The sun is not yet fully risen. Jesus is not there. So she runs back and maybe by now the light is around her, but she is still in her darkness because it hasn't connected with her. The other Gospels tell us that there were others there, (coughs) pardon me, other women with her, but John wants us to stand in Mary's place. So she sees he's gone and she is feeling anguished and she runs and tells Peter and John, they have taken him. They have taken him and I don't know where. And she had already been through so much that week. The one that she loved who knew her better than anyone yet still loved her and offered her grace had been brutally tortured and murdered with the cruelest form of public execution that the Romans, that humanity to that point has as yet devised. Mary was one of the small handful that had not fled. She had followed. She and the other women and John were at the foot of the cross 
They saw the nails being driven. They saw Him being lifted up. They saw the blood. They heard it is finished. Mary saw the spear pierce His side. She knew He was dead. She knew without a doubt He was dead and buried and along with Him all of her hopes and her dreams. This movement that was supposed to change the world, it was gone, it was dead. The story of Jesus was over. So, like mourners do, she came to visit the grave to take care of the things that are necessary. If any of you have ever gone to the funeral home to take care of your mother's or father's hair or to make sure they are being presented correctly, this is what Mary was doing. And you want to do this last thing for them, but it wrenches at your heart to see them. And with Jesus... It wouldn't just be seeing Him. It would be seeing the wounds, the pierced hands, feet, side, the places in His forehead where the thorns had driven in so deeply. And she, like we all, would struggle to remember the good times and to take the lessons of His life with her. But... On that morning, she was so lost in the darkness for her future had vanished. The meaning of her life, the radiance of her Lord had fallen away. And she got to that tomb and it was empty. He had been stolen. Someone had done the worst thing imaginable. Hadn't they put him through enough? And now they've taken him. She runs and tells Peter and John, they all run back. It says that John believed. We don't really know what because it immediately says, but they didn't understand he was risen from the dead. And Peter and John went back to their homes But Mary stayed at the grave and wept and wept and wept. Her heart completely broken. Do you know the doctors have now said it is possible to have a heart attack from extreme grief? You know that our hearts can literally be broken And in her grief and in her tears, she saw two angels who asked her, why are you crying? And we can only imagine the tears in her eyes and not knowing the significance. And maybe they didn't have this blinding radiance they usually have. There's almost a sense of humor here. They're sitting here. Maybe it's just me because sometimes my legs do it while I'm sitting here. I almost imagine them just sort of dangling their legs. Hey, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? They've taken my Lord. I don't know where they've taken Him. And then her Lord speaks, but still, in her tears, in her grief, in the darkness, she doesn't know who He is. 
How often have we not been able to see Jesus because of the anguish or the fear or the circumstances of the moment and it has been so hard to see God and Jesus' presence in any of it because our broken hearts are crying out too loudly. It's easy to miss Him when we are stuck in that dark place. Even though we know that He is with us and if we but have eyes to see, we will see Him All around us. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? You can almost see the tender smile on his face. And Mary, thinking he was the gardener. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him. I'll go get him. And then everything changed. Do you notice that everything changed When he said her name, Mary, Jesus simply calls her name and it stops her in her tracks. The truth breaks through light, makes the darkness flee. And in a very real way in John's gospel, that is the moment the resurrection is declared when Mary's eyes are opened, when Jesus speaks her name. And by the way, it's not, you notice, done by Jesus telling Mary, hey, it's me. It's not that he said, this is who I am. It's that in that one word, he said who she is. Has your heart ever been broken and a dear friend, a loved one, a parent, a spouse, maybe even a child has just hugged you and said your name and it's the most comforting thing you've ever heard? It's interesting to me that Mary didn't recognize him just by his voice. Otherwise, she might have understood when he said, Woman, why are you crying? It wasn't until she heard the sound of her own name from the mouth of Jesus that she recognizes him. And that is her turning point. And nothing will be the same again. Isn't it like that for us? We are in the midst of the darkest turmoil, the the least amount of peace, the most conflict we have ever had, the greatest uncertainty, the worst pains. And it all seems so empty and meaningless and arbitrary until somehow through someone or through something we hear God speaking our name in comfort. He speaks our name, calls us to Himself, and then for us everything changes. You see, the resurrection had already happened. Jesus was standing right there. But for Mary, the resurrection did not take place until Jesus called to her and spoke her name. That's when she experienced His resurrection and she left behind the chaos, the despair, the hopelessness, the broken heart, the frustrations of the weak, the agony, the pain, seeing someone she loved so much being treated so horribly. 
the darkness was gone as she ran towards the light. And reading between the lines, it almost sounds like she knocked him down almost. It's natural. You ever been the person or been the presence of this happening or seen it on TV when the soldier comes home from war and the family is not expecting him or her and they burst upon the scene and they throw their arms around and nearly knocks them off their feet. That was the kind of reunion times a million. So then Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the good news. I have seen the Lord. And that's what we're called to do, isn't it? Not just with our mouths, but with our entire lives. You see, when you and I love others as Christ loved us, we are declaring that we have seen Jesus. When you and I take time to serve others, we are declaring we have seen Jesus. When you and I humble ourselves, when we care for the sick, visit those in prison, give food to the hungry, clothe the naked, give water to the thirsty, lift up those who are poor and weak and hurting and broken, we are living as witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus in our lives and giving others the opportunity to leave the darkness and to come into the light of Christ. See, the resurrection is the core of the Christian faith, not just in an intellectual, factual way, though it is that. If you were there 2,000 years ago, you would have seen Mary hugging Jesus of Nazareth. But it is more than just agreement. Well, that did happen. The power of Easter is not found in just our agreement or our assent that He walked out of the tomb. The power of Easter that is going through every day, every church today celebrating His resurrection through the history of humankind that has been demonstrated through the ministry of the church and every member of it throughout all of history is not the power of an intellectual ascent. That is not the thing which changes the world, which brings uh, babies who have been exposed and left to die into adoption that takes the circus maximus, a place where people are put to death for the entertainment of others, and makes it just a memory of ancient days that abolishes the hatreds of old, that breaks the yoke of slavery and every time it raises its ugly head comes to break it again. The power of Easter is the power of the resurrection itself, present in the life of those who have seen Jesus. As important as it is that He physically rose from the dead, It is more important that he was just not just resuscitated in some way. He was resurrected to a new kind of life which he now shares with us. This foretaste of the resurrection where one day sin's presence will be gone. But for now, through Christ, sin's power can be broken 
Oh, that's such an old-fashioned term, sin and sin's power. Would it help if I explained it like this? Everything which makes us broken, everything which makes us hurt others, everything which makes us... (laughs) which makes our hearts want to break. Jesus is raised by the power of God into a new way of life. That is why... We do not say Christ has died, Christ was risen. We say Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. That is the miracle of Easter. Not that it happened so many years ago, but that it can happen today as we let Christ live in us. Those who say we share not just His title as Christians, but also the life that is found in the presence of the Spirit of God. And all of this because Christ our Lord is risen. I'll give you one more chance. One more. And you better speak up or I'm going to just say it over and over and over again until you do. You'll never get to that Easter ham, I'm just saying. We are an Easter people not just because of the springtime celebration or the eggs or the bunnies or the bonnets and the clothes and the chocolates, although all of those are great. But for those of us who say we are an Easter people, it means more than just a day of celebration. It means a daily realization that the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is also the very same power, grace, and spirit which flows in us and through us as followers of our risen Lord. To be an Easter people means that even as long as the dark nights come, even as the daily grind tends to wear at us and doesn't it always, even as the tugs, the bumps, the roadblocks of life in each day come our way, we know that it is not our own strength which sustains us. Rather, we all know and can say and can sing because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives and lives in me, my life, my true life, my everlasting life, is hidden with Christ in God, one day to be fully revealed. So this day I can live with grace and with power and with joy beyond the circumstances, no matter what comes. For I know, as surely as I am standing here today, through the witness of His people, the testimony of the living presence of Christ. I know that Christ our Lord is risen. Amen. You got it. Third time is the charm. Heavenly Father, we thank You this day for Your risen Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we find life and redemption in whom we find joy and indeed communion. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.